0: Welcome to another inspirational message from Northwest Church. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you'd like any more information on what your next step may be, please visit our website at northwestchurch.com.au. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his, establish and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accompany this. That's our reading for today. I'd just like to pray before we start. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, we pray. Amen. I'd like to welcome everyone here. Um, Many people I know, many people I don't. Some are regulars here, some are here for the first time. For me, it's a day of first. It's the first time I've preached at Northwest Church, and for me, it is a real privilege The person that asked me to preach said, Look out, they're a rough crowd. Um, I'm taking four weeks' leave because of it. And um, that was (laughs) Brian and Darren. So um, I feel it's a great honor to come and share with you this morning for a short while. It's also a first for me, and a a personal first, and it's the first time my family has all been together ever. Um, Gay and I are the proud parents of three daughters. And for the first time ever, our two grandsons, our three daughters our son-in-law and our future son-in-law are all in the one place and that's the first time in in our history as a family. Um, They... (laughs) They arrived in Tamworth, the last of them last night, having travelled from London, Melbourne, Sydney and we have two and a half days together and it will be a great time of celebration. Last night as a family, we celebrated the engagement of our eldest daughter, Felicity, to Winston. So we had a party at our place and... um, we're looking looking forward to a wedding next year in Italy of all places. So um, yeah, for us it's a great time of year. For me, um, a time where I finish work for a couple of weeks as of Friday and so I've got some time where I don't have to think about too much medically and can think of other things and this time of year, end of the year, Christmas coming, I always find that it's a good time to pause and just take stock of where we are, where we've been and where we're going. And as we approach this year, this is the Sunday before Christmas, it's the the penultimate Sunday of the year 2019 and it's also the penultimate Sunday of this decade, of the second decade of our new century and our new millennium. And as I was reflecting, I was just thinking how different life is at the minute to 20 years ago. For those of you who can remember, this time 20 years ago it was 1999, Um, the new millennium was ahead of us, there was all sorts of fear about that Y2K bug that was a yawn, Um, lots of excitement. And as I look back, there's been huge strides in the last 20 years in communication. 20 years ago, mobile phones weren't as advanced as they are. Internet wasn't advanced. Um, Be able to Skype to people on the other side of the world really wasn't going. And travel has opened up. It's far cheaper now to travel long distances than any time in our history. And in many ways, however, our world is a lot darker world than it was 20 years ago. The 1990s, I look as sort of a high point in history. things seemed pretty good, the the Berlin Wall had fallen, communism was over, Um, the West seemed to be going well, and reasonable prosperity as a country, we were coming out of a recession that we were not supposed to have, or supposed to have depending who you listen to, and things were looking up. And then the last 20 years have seen September the 11th tax, the rise in terrorism, the global financial crisis, and all the wars that have happened, which have happened throughout history, but have increasing, And also the unrest in the Middle East. Um, Closer to home we've all been impacted by this terrible drought and more recently by fires where we walk outside and smell smoke everywhere and we know that there's people fighting those fires on our behalf. So in many things it's given rise to pessimism on a global scale. When you read the papers, you talk to people, there's a much bigger air of pessimism than what I remember in the 1990s. So here we are staring down Christmas in three days time. And what have we got to think about that? But as a Christian, it's a really high point of our year and it's a time of celebration for what God has done for us and it's a time that transcends much of the problems in our world. Those issues that I've talked about the last 20 years and in our lifetime are just a blip on the timeline of history, but it it encompasses all that we've collectively experienced and it can often dominate our thinking and our current world view. History for me is a, an area I'm fascinated with reading about, I love reading history and um, I believe it really increases our reach to give us an understanding of where we are at this point in time. In fact, Winston Churchill most famously said, those who don't study history are condemned to repeat its mistakes and when you think about that, that's a very true comment. And one of the things that gives me the greatest sense of history is the Bible and when you look at the Bible We find that it's a collection of books, that it was written over 1500 years, so that that'd be as if the first book was written about the time the Roman Empire fell, if the last book was written today. So, a phenomenal breach of history and it wasn't one author, there was 35 authors or more than that, inspired by God to write what we know as the Bible and they came from a phenomenally diverse background. We've got Isaiah, who was a prophet, who we just read from now, Ezra was a priest, Matthew was a tax collector and not liked, John was a fisherman, Paul made tents for a living, Moses was a shepherd for a good period of his life, Luke was a physician, but despite being penned by so many different authors over 1500 years, the Bible doesn't contradict itself, it's historically accurate and it doesn't contain any errors. People have looked at it trying to find errors, trying to find issues that don't add up but over the millennia people haven't been able to. All the authors present a very different perspective but they proclaim the one true God, the same God that we worship and they also proclaim the same one way to salvation and that's through Jesus Christ. The fact that the New Testament is historically reliable for me provides not only a solid base for a personal faith in Christ but also for anyone else it offers a strong proclamation that they can be from whatever background religious or non-religious that the message of the gospel offers many things that our sins are forgiven that we can be freed from a life of futility and shameful habits we can know god per- personally and find his purpose for our lives and that then we can have an assurance of an eternity of justice and joy in his inexpressible present and all this was accompanied through the person whose birthday we're celebrating his son jesus who came Was crucified and resurrected so that all that is available to us. If the Christian Scriptures weren't grounded in history, all we would have to offer and all I could say to you this morning is my personal opinion rather than the weight of history from the Word of God. Just looking, if we just, um, I haven't got a clicker here to click forward so just probably click forward two slides. In the Bible there is, and one more slide thanks, in the Bible we find that there's over 300 prophecies that point directly to the coming of the Messiah, Jesus, and rather than be here till tomorrow with looking at all 300, I just want to look at eight to start with. So the first one, if we click the next slide, is that we are told that the Messiah would be from the lineage of King David. So in Jeremiah we read, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, A king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. Hundreds of years before Jesus came, that prophecy was written. To the next one. Number two, that he would be born in Bethlehem. But you, Bethlehem, Epaphra, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old and from ancient times. So it was pinned down to the actual town where Jesus was born. Number three, and on the next slide, that he would be born of a virgin. Isaiah says, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and call him Emmanuel, that is God with us. So the pinning down gets even narrower. Um, For the first time in history, a virgin gives birth. Fourthly, to the next slide, he would be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. And Zechariah writes... I told them, if you think it best, give me my pay, but if not, keep it. So they paid me 30 pieces of silver. Fifthly, in Psalms, we read that he would be mocked. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. A reference to Jesus on the cross, where they mocked him about coming down from the cross and saving himself. Sixthly, that he would be crucified. In John, Jesus predicts his crucifixion where he says, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, referring to crucifixion on a cross. Seventh, that he would be pierced. (coughs) Dogs surround me, a pack of villains encircles me, they pierce my hands and feet. And eighthly, he would die with the wicked, but he would be buried with the rich. And Isaiah tells us, he was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. And we read, as we know, that he was treated as a common criminal, crucified on a cross, but buried in a rich man's grave. Just um, to the next slide. Just imagine for a minute that if a baby was to be born in the next 500 years, what are the chances of predicting eight things? One the baby's gender, that's the easy one, probably 50-50, boy or girl, the year of birth, who would be able to predict the year of birth of a baby sometime in the next 500 years? What about the place of birth, pin it down, a year, a town somewhere in the world, baby's name, gets a bit harder, school he went to, gets nearly impossible, his occupation, don't think anyone could do it, the cause of his death... Perhaps a doctor might have a crack at it, but um, I don't think we'd get it right. And the date of his death, nearly impossible. Um, But that's the sort of level that those eight predictions, eight eight prophecies had about Jesus. And I don't think there's anyone that would hazard a guess. But in 1958, next slide, please, uh, a Christian professor in America, Professor Stoner, was a professor of astronomy, astrophysics and mathematics. And he sat down and worked out the probability of eight prophecies being true if it was just given to chance. And he came up with a number which is 1 by 10 to the 17th, so that's about a million trillion if you put all those zeros together, and that's just for eight of those 300 coming true. Just trying to work that out, because it's a number that no one's head can get around, but the closest way to imagine it is, supposing you've got many, many dollar coins and you covered all of New South Wales with dollar coins, and you built each dollar coin of a pile of coins up to half a metre. So try and think, our state, dollar coins a metre high. One of those coins you painted red and put somewhere in that mass. You then blindfolded someone and said, on your first try you've got to get that dollar coin. Um, That is the chances of being right, one in 10 to the 17th power. So we're looking at 300 prophecies in the Bible, we've just looked at eight and the odds of someone making that up and getting it right is about that. You say, okay, what about if we have another eight prophecies, and I won't read them out, so we've suddenly got 16 prophecies, and the power goes in from one chance in 10 to the 45 zeros. Um, I didn't even try too hard, but a rough approximation was if you filled those dollar coins in the solar system out to about Uranus, marked one red, blindfold someone, pick it out, that's about the chance of getting it right, And if you go out 16, 32, 64, out to 300, I think the number of zeros become almost impossible to understand. So here we are looking at a book written over 15 centuries by 35 authors. Within that book, 300 prophecies pointing to the coming of Jesus at a point in time. And people say they can't understand it, they don't believe it, and how can it be true? Um, Just on the law of averages, I think... Um, you just can't get past it and for me, I can't get past it. So just looking a bit further, we just want to look at the very first prophecy in the Bible, we looked at just eight random prophecies and Genesis 3, 14 to 15 says, this is after the fall, after Adam and Eve were created, lived in the Garden of Eden, were tempted by the serpent who was Satan, Eve ate from the apple and they obtained the knowledge of good and evil. This is what God says, God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. In those verses are the first prophecy and promise to the fact that God was going to send his son. First thing God does was curse the serpent. Um... But then he turns to Satan who was the, the, the spiritual serpent for want of a better word and called him basically a liar and said his days will be on the earth in dust. Then he talked that his head would be crushed and that's a reference to Jesus coming to basically crush Satan for one and all. And so back at the very dawn of human history when just two people were on the earth and they got it wrong, God had a plan and he prophesied it back then. And this gives a great message of hope and um, because we're all descendants of um, descendants of that same Adam and Eve. And Paul later on in, in the book of Romans, he talks again about how the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. and that was a reference to that verse back in Genesis. So through the 300 prophecies in the Old Testament, we come to this day, we'll be celebrating on Wednesday, which is the birth of our, Jesus, our Savior Jesus. I just want to re look at the Bible verse that we started with, which is a verse that Bron and Daz asked me to speak on today and that's a very famous book verse from Isaiah and just an aside, you probably all remember Bob Hawke who was one of our Prime Ministers who died recently. Bob's history was that his father was a Christian minister and on the day that Bob was born, his father opened the Bible to read and it fell open at this passage and he always believed that his son would be destined for great things including government and Little did he know that his son would end up the um, Prime Minister of our country, um, having at some stage made a commitment, but at some stage walked away from from the Lord. So I just want to re-read that passage. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and in peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it, upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on forever and the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accompany this. So I just want to spend the remaining minutes just looking at that passage in a little more detail. So we start off by looking that for unto us a child is born, that's the glorious prophecy of the birth of the Messiah, and it reminds us that the victory-bringing Messiah would be a man. Theoretically, the Messiah could have been an angel, or it could have been God without any humanity, that God sent His Son in the form of His Son. But in rea- reality, none of those options would have qualified for the Messiah to be our Saviour and High Priest, as Jesus was. So a child had to be born. What an amazing mystery. I'm just reminded, we've got our six-month-old grandson with us at the moment, and... um he can do a number of things himself but he's still pretty helpless but there's basically nothing weaker and more helpless and more dependent than a newborn baby and theoretically Jesus could have come as a fully grown man, the same as Adam was created as a fully grown man but for Jesus to fully identify with our humanity he made himself of no reputation and he took on the form of a bond servant and came in the likeness of man. And we find the passage goes on to say that unto us a son is given, so that this child would be a man but far more than a man because he's also the eternal son of God, the second person in the Trinity. Theoretically, the Messiah didn't have to be God, he could have been a sinless angel that God sent like Gabriel or merely a perfect man like Adam, the first man created. But in reality, none of those options would have qualified the Messiah to be our saviour and high priest as a son had to be given. The child was born because the humanity of Jesus needed a starting point and the son had to be given because the second person of the eternity had existed forever so had to be given to the earth. Jesus never became less of God, less than God but he added a human nature to his divine nature and so he became as it were one person with two distinct natures but they were functioning together in perfect harmony. What we find, if Jesus hadn't been fully man, he couldn't have stood in our place as the place of our sinfulness and be a substitute for the punishment that we as men and women deserve. But if he were not fully God, well then the sacrifice that he made on the cross wouldn't have been sufficient. So what we find, if we don't believe that Jesus was fully God and fully man, then we're still lost in our sin. We go on to read that the government will be upon his shoulder and ultimately this will be fulfilled when Jesus returns when Jesus will rule the earth as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We go on to read the names that that he will be called. And this idea is not that they'll be the literal names of the Messiah, but they're aspects of his character, and they describe who he is and what he's come to do. First thing we read is that he's wonderful, and the glory of all he is and what he's done with us should fill us with wonder. And as I get older and I reflect on Christmas, I... Become increasingly amazed, I guess, and filled with wonder that the person of God could have somehow had human DNA, God DNA and be born as a child and yet had the divinity and been the everlasting son that had never known a beginning or an end. The Messiah is also our counsellor. So Jesus is the one fit person to guide our lives and it should be our go-to person whenever we get problems because we're told that He's our counsellor. How many of us run to counsellors for help? And that's a good thing, because some of those counsellors can be used by God to help us. But Jesus has been described as our counsellor, the one that we go to in times of need. And the New Testament is just full of that, of saying how God is our rescuer and counsellor. The other thing we read is that the Messiah is mighty God, the God of all creation and glory, the Lord who reigns in heaven and the one worthy of our worship and praise. We go on to read that the Messiah is the everlasting Father. So Jesus we know is the source of all eternity, that he's actually the creator himself and it doesn't mean that he is the same as the Father but he was there at the creation of the world and had a part in it. The Messiah is the Prince of Peace, he is the one that primarily makes peace between God and man but also between man and man and you look around the world at the moment and there's just an absolute crying out need for peace we go on to read that the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Even forever, there will be no end to the reign of the Messiah and he will rule for all eternity. And that's something we have looked to look forward to as believers where we will spend eternity with the ruler of the universe. Those of you who ever listen to classical music, Handel's Messiah is one of the greatest pieces talking about and singing about the coming of the Lord. He talks about one famous chorus where he will reign forever and ever and he got it absolutely right. Isaiah goes on to tell us that Jesus will be upon the throne of David, so that Jesus will rule upon David's throne and over his kingdom, David's kingdom Israel and this is a fulfillment of the great covenant of David in Samuel where he was promised to have a person on the throne forever and when you look historically it seemed that the Jewish people lost their king which they did but it was talking of a future king that would come, the King Jesus who would not only reign over Israel but over the whole world. And lastly we read in this passage that the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. All of this may sound too good to be true when you look at it and analyse it but it will be done, it's spoken in the scriptures and it's prophesied and will come true. God, the Lord of all the heavenly armies, has promise, promised to accomplish his word not just this word but all words and part of it has been come to pass already with the birth of Jesus and we await his second coming. So as we come to Christmas Day 2019 we've got a great cause, it's to celebrate and give thanks to God. As the society around us misrepresents Christmas celebrations with tinsel and baubles, material things, we can be thankful that the God of the universe, That the God of the universe had a plan to rescue us from ourselves, to rescue us from the mire of sin that's robbed us of God's original intention for us and His intention was that we would spend eternity with Him. So Christmas Day that we celebrate is the start of God's rescue plan where His Son came to earth those 2,000 years ago. We celebrate it but He came to earth for a purpose, that was that He would die, be a substitute for our sins And raise again so that we have the gift of eternal life. Yeah so through His abundance grace we're told, this is what John told us, that for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through Him, that's through Jesus. So this morning if you've got a knowledge Of Jesus as your Saviour and Lord, I'm sure you're rejoicing like we are, like I am, at what we're celebrating in a few days time, the the birth of our Saviour. If you're not, we're reminded what Paul says that salvation is for all, if we just flick forward two slides, thanks, and Paul reminds us in Romans chapter 10 verse 9, very, very simply, that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, You will be saved. Just no rocket science at all, Um, the simplest person can understand it, the most profound person should be able to understand it, although often can be a stumbling block. I would encourage you this morning that if you know Jesus as your saviour, just to rejoice and look forward to this time of celebration as we give thanks for what God, God has done for us as people, that He's opened a way for us to be restored to Him. If you don't, I would encourage you just to examine what Jesus has to offer, Um, He's got to offer forgiveness of sins, eternal life, great fellowship on this earth and even greater fellowship in the in the eternity to come. I'd just like to close in prayer and just ask everyone to to bow their heads. Father God, I, I just thank You for the wonder of this time of year as we celebrate Your birth, for the great things that You did. We just thank you Lord for what it led to was that you could see a rescue plan for humankind that had lost the way, that had been eternally separated from you but you from heaven found out this fantastic way of restoring us to you by sending your son to live as a human being, to die but to be resurrected again so that we may have eternal life. I pray for everyone here Lord that they may experience the joy of Christmas for anyone that doesn't know jesus as their savior that they would examine carefully and just come to the point where they give their heart to you and acknowledge you as their savior this we pray in jesus name amen hey again thanks so much for joining us on this podcast whether you are new and exploring faith or a follower of jesus there is a next step for you there is always room to grow more to be done destiny to be pursued and people to be reached so what's your next step To find out, head over to northwestchurch.com.au And thanks again for listening.